All right, everybody, welcome back to T's and TD's. We're going to get right to football here, similar to what we did last week, except all in one podcast. I uh, felt like that football was cream of the crop again. We've got big conference semifinals and uh, excited to have on Jim Madalinski and Aaron Martin to chop up those games just a little bit. The one piece of advice, if I could give you, is just take the week off and enjoy the American Express for what it is, which is a fun and unique golf tournament. They play three separate courses during this. Everybody rotates and plays each of the three courses, and then the cut is after Saturday's rounds wrap up. So it's just a little bit of a different beast. We had a lot of success sort of handicapping the Sony Open last week. I gave out Seamus Power and Kevin Kisner. Uh, they both tied for third. little upset I missed out on a Seamus Power first round leader bet, but I'm not that bitter about it. And uh, Power did pretty well and Kisner did pretty well. Both of them played really, really well, putted extraordinarily well, struck the ball well, and it was a fun tournament to watch. And then Hayden Buckley from the top rope was a name I gave out as a top 30. So if you had a ticket on him, you cashed that one out as well. So again, different beast. Really, my strategy here is pretty much just going to be good ball strikers in good form. I just looked at the leaderboard from last week, guys that kind of gained across the board that I think could get hot in a little bit stronger of a field that has John Rahm, it has Patrick Cantlay. So I'm not going too crazy. Would really recommend you not do the same either. Corey Connors, Christian Bezadenhut, Brian Harmon, Hayden Buckley are four of the names that I kind of am just interested in. Connors is 24 to 1 to win. Bezadenhut, 55 to 1. Harmon, 85 to 1. And Hayden Buckley is 100 to 1. The Corey Connors' hunch is just that he struck the ball incredibly well. Didn't putt it as well last weekend based on what I saw. He just feels like a guy that could potentially pop. Decent birdie or better percentage. This could be a low-scoring event, and I just really like him uh, a lot this week. Some of the Canadians have had good success here, Adam Hadwin being another one. Christian Bezadenhut, very, very, very strong short game. And when you just sort of look at what it's going to take to win, I think strokes gained around the green and putting are going to be incredibly important. Those are two things that Bezaden Hood excels at. Very small bet at 55 to one that I really like. Same story with Brian Harmon. And then Hayden Buckley is just a green and regulation machine. And I really like him worth a very, very small taste at a hundred to one. The top bets that I like on those just to get plus odds. Connors is plus 115 to top 20. That feels like a very good bet. And and I would I would really like to partake in that. Christian Bezaden, who to top 30 is plus 150. Another top 30 name that I want to throw in there just because he popped a little bit last week is Michael Thompson. Uh, the Bearded Wonder to top 30 is plus 190. That's a bet I like as well. Harmon plus 30. Uh, top 30 is plus 210. And then Hayden Buckley to top 40. Can he recapture the magic? We're going to dive back into that well is plus 180. So that's where my head is at. That is it in terms of the American Express. Up next, Aaron Martin and Jim Madalinski on T's and TDs. All right, gambling reporters, week two. We are back to give some losing bets here as the uh, conference semis get ready and get going. Aaron Martin, Jim Madalinski. Aaron, how are you? Doing fantastic after a, a bit of a brutal week gambling, but fun football, even if there were some blowouts, I, I get a little nostalgic this time because I start thinking about how we only have like what, six, seven football games left, but otherwise couldn't be better. 
to be fair, we got the Raiders game pretty wrong, but like we could have gotten it pretty right, which as I know, like a quasi degenerate thing to say, but um, <laughs> I, I'll stick to that. I didn't line. feel terrible. Yeah. I didn't feel terrible about losing that one just because I thought that was the right read. It just didn't go quite the way we hoped. I thought so too. And that line got all the way down to like four and a half. So Ugh. Jim Madelinski. I'm good. I, the almost had it is always a great gambling line. I right? know exactly. <laughs> almost had it. Exactly. We were so almost close. We were this close. D two, my You know, I was disappointed in the slate last week, and I'm not going to lie. I don't blame yeah. you. I mean, I, I, looking back and listening back, I was like, did we talk ourselves into the Eagles and the Steelers just a little 100%. bit? Y'all didn't. Y'all were pretty. <laughs> y'all were pretty tepid about the Steelers. Good, good Steeler fans of you. I legitimately was like, the Eagles could win this game, and I think I texted the group when it got to fourteen nothing. It was like this. This ain't it. It's it's just uh-huh. not happening. So, all right. Uh, I'm honing in the lawyered thing, uh, a little bit of pre-production before, uh, last night for all the listeners of the T's and TDs podcast, we essentially had a draft. So Jim went first, Aaron got his second pick and third pick and Jim went fourth. Basically they had to pick a team that they were going to argue. And the other person had to argue the other team in that game. So we're going to go in the order of drafted might ask you guys a question about that. I'll tee you guys up. I'll, I'll play host here and kind of chime in and, uh, tell you who's right and who's wrong. And we'll go from there. So Jim Madelinsky had the first pick in this informal draft and took the Cincinnati Bengals plus three and a half in Tennessee. Cincinnati might be missing a couple key guys on its defensive line, Trey Hendrickson and Larry Ogunchobi. The Titans appear as though it's a possibility that Derrick Henry may be back. They also may be without Janoris Jenkins, which could be a big injury against the secondary uh, against the wide receivers of the Cincinnati Bengals. Jim Madelinsky, you're up first. Explain to me why three and a half Bengals, you like the points. So the points are important here for me for a few reasons. And again, this isn't, you know, pay, go bet this, you know, we're not, I'm not saying that by any stretch of the imagination, but when looking at games and teams that I like, this is why, and why I picked the Bengals first is a few, few reasons. Um, yeah, Ogan Joby's a big loss on the on the D line. I think Henderson is probably going to play. I can't imagine him. Sounds not like he will. Yep, gut it out and get out there with as good as he is and as determined as he must be going into the situation. The Bengals haven't given up a hundred yard rusher since Week Nine. Mm. If we don't count Week Eighteen, which I think is fair because they didn't really play anybody against the Browns that week, they've given up yards. There's been some combo games, but in those games since Week Nine, they faced the Raiders, Chiefs, Ravens, Broncos, 49ers, Chargers, Steelers, Raiders again. Now, the yardage in those games, they gave up some chunks, especially to teams like the Raiders averaging seven yards a carry last week. The game just got to the point where they couldn't run the ball. But the big thing for me is Tennessee's 25th in the league in pass defense. When I'm looking at plus three and a half, I'm not seeing a scenario where Tennessee's running away with this game. In fact, I see a scenario where Cincinnati can get out to a good start. They played last week. Tennessee's coming off the bye. And the big wild card for me is... The Bengals were the second least penalized team in the league this year. I think that can play a role. You're going to have Tennessee coming out potentially nervous, pre-snap penalty things along those lines, just to keep Cincinnati around. I don't know if they can win the game. I like the points. What is Derrick Henry right now? Is he going to be Derrick Henry? Can he shake off the rust that well? He's Derrick Henry. So, and nothing's out of the question, but I could see that being a very tight game. 
Do you worry at all, Jim, that Henry gets force fed the ball and isn't necessarily ready? I mean, do you have, do you have any concerns that, that he could take the offense out of sync at all? Uh, or, or is that a stupid question? Cause it's Derrick Henry. I don't worry only because your other option is Ryan Tannehill. And do you trust Tannehill to carry a game? I don't think Tennessee would do that. And I think if they're going to ease him back in, Dante Foreman showed that he's capable. They can give him some carries if they really want to force feed the run and give Derrick Henry a break. So that that's not a huge concern for me. As somebody who came in on the Bengals side, my concern is that he doesn't show any rust and come the fourth quarter that wear down is going to happen and he's going to put up a couple big rounds in the fourth quarter. Aaron Martin, would the Titans have been your first pick at all? Or, or what's the argument that you think that, that the Titans cover the three and a half? So they wouldn't have been my first pick, but they would have been pretty high. I actually think this line is pretty insulting to Tennessee. Ooh. Three and a half points, home playoff game, and coming off a bye week. So really that's Vegas. Usually the, the home team gets about three points. Some may argue it's two and a half. So basically Vegas is saying on a neutral field that the Titans are half a point to maybe a point better than the Bengals. And I think if you look at what Tennessee has done this year, that's just not living in reality. I mean, I would argue that there's nobody in the NFL that has a better slate of wins throughout the season than the Titans. I mean, they beat just in a three weeks, in a four week stretch, excuse me, they beat the Bills, the Chiefs, and at the Rams. And then on top of that, they had that great win against San Francisco toward the end of the season. They crushed a Dolphins team that had won seven in a row up to that point. This is a team that statistically doesn't look like they should be anywhere near as good as they are. But they've proven it over and over again, including without Derrick Henry for more than half of the season, that they find a way to win. The only time they don't is when there's some like weird turnover fest like we saw against the Steelers, where they had four turnovers, including three and like six plays or something insane like that in the fourth quarter. No team's going to win with something like that. But short of a fluke situation, this team finds a way to win. And now you got Derrick Henry coming back. He's not going to be needed to be a 30 carry a guy player right away. Deontay Foreman's shown that he can handle carries. So if I'm coming into this game and I'm Tennessee and I say, I want Derrick Henry to run the ball. I want Deontay Foreman to run the ball. I want 35 carries between those two. Cincinnati's got an okay defense. It's nothing special, but it's solid enough. But I'm, I don't know if their defensive line being banged up with a very average set of linebackers, if they can hold up to that kind of punishment throughout the entire game. And if that's the other thing we learned last week is that while the Bengals have a very prolific offense, the Raiders' defense is okay, nothing special other than I would say Max Crosby and a couple minor pieces here and there. They held that offense to an awful lot of field goals. So all it takes is the Titans to get a little strong and once the Bengals get close to the red zone, and this is a low-scoring, ball-control type of game, and I don't think Cincinnati can win that type of game, particularly with a fresh Tennessee. If Cincinnati runs out to a 17-3 to lead, do you think Tennessee can win the game? No, I don't, but I don't see that happening. But certainly I think they're not built to come back similar to San Francisco. I don't think they're built to come back from big deficits, but I do think they're built to withstand some punches and then just kind of take over games, you know, making it ugly and just continuing to run the balls. That's the type of team that tends to win this time of year. And also I, I do think there may be a little bit of a hangover effect with Cincinnati because that was the biggest win they've had in a generation last week. And everybody's been telling them how amazing they are. Zach Taylor is going to bars and giving game balls to Cincy fans. There just seems to be a lot of 
almost relief that they got to this point where Tennessee is looking at this saying, all right, let's go. I, I do think there could be a hangover effect here too. Jim, any rebuttal before we head back to the, uh, the second game of the weekend that, that you all drafted? I think the first half is going to tell the story of this game. I, I agree with Aaron and with what your point too. If, if this gets to the point where it's 17-3 Cincinnati, I don't think Tennessee is winning that game. Uh, Cincinnati's got to take advantage of hopefully some rust on Tennessee's side. That's, that's their best bet is to come out and catch that secondary off guard, use the weapons on the outside, and then let Joe Mixon take over the game from there once you get a lead. I think that's their path. Who knows what will happen? I haven't even checked the weather in Tennessee. That's always something I like to look at, but who knows what that could be the way things have been this week in the region. So um, yeah, it's going to, it's going to be an early game to see how you think it's going to go. I think it's going to be, and I think just quickly one name to keep an eye on for Tennessee. I think Jeffrey Simmons could have an enormous game, the defensive tackle, because that Cincinnati offensive line obviously has some holes, particularly in the middle. And that's really where they're the weakest. And Jeffrey Simmons is an absolute monster when he's healthy and he's played really, really well this year. If he is able to make a couple big plays early on and Burrow's running for his life, that that could certainly swing the game very quickly. Although Burrow did look decent getting out of the pocket a little bit and has that ability. So it's going to be a good matchup contrasting styles. uh, I'm very, very excited to watch this one. Aaron, your first pick. Uh, after Jim took the Bengals plus three and a half was the Packers minus six in the frozen tundra Lambeau field Packers beat the Niners 30 to 28 during the regular season. If you'll remember the Niners scored a very late touchdown Rogers leads a last minute touchdown, uh, excuse me, field goal drive. Mason Crosby hits it and Packers win by two Aaron. Why do you like the Packers minus six? So for me, this is a a belief in what Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur, and co. can do. Now, the Packers are not a perfect team. Statistically, similar to the Titans, I mean, they're built very differently, but they don't jump off the page at you as saying, wow, this team can kill you through the air, can kill you on the ground. There's this really strong defense. But when their pieces all come together, they find a way to win, and they have one of the best quarterbacks on the planet, which can be a, a big equalizer in the playoffs. But all you really have to do is look at the last two years. The Packers have had a bye each of the last two years, and I think that's important because that's the LaFleur Rogers area in Green Bay. And every time they come off that bye, they came out and played very, very well against good competition. They beat Seattle in 2019 by two touchdowns. Last year, they beat the, the Rams by two touchdowns, and each time they looked pretty good. Now they've stumbled in the conference championship game, but that extra rest, Rodgers having the hurt foot, I think certainly getting that extra time will make an, an enormous difference, and they really seem to play well when they have that extra rest, particularly in the playoffs. And also coming off the game that the Niners just had against the Cowboys. I mean, talk about an emotional swing type of game. And, you know, again, I keep saying this, the, the Niners are finding ways to win, but Watching that game, particularly in the fourth quarter against the Cowboys, it sure looked like they were looking for any excuse to give that game away. I mean, they were just making mistake after mistake. Garoppolo throws a terrible pick toward the end that allows Dallas to get that touchdown and come right back in. They have a fourth and half an inch to seal the game and they get a false start penalty. It's just, I mean, everybody's talking about that game because of the idiotic quarterback sneak at the end, or I should say QB draw at the end that Dallas ran. But San Francisco sure looked like they were looking for reasons to lose that. So I'm not a huge believer in the San Francisco team. We just found out Garoppolo's injured. I just think there's enough factors here that the Packers rested Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, 
a defense that can certainly flash when they have the, the right pieces in place. I just think this is the type of game that the Packers are going to take control and the Niners have a hard time playing from behind. So I, I could see it being that sort of game. And I think six points is a very reasonable number for the Packers to cover. And that six points is my only hope here. I got to be honest. Uh, if it wasn't my draft pick, uh, I, I would have made a nice argument for the Packers too. What I do like in doing some digging today is that there is reason to believe that the 49ers will keep this game close. They're top 10 in pretty much every defensive statistical category, which, you know, cut and paste this for later. It makes you think that they won't get boat raced. That defense is good enough that they can keep them in it. And you hope that the offense can get, get them out to a lead. One thing I will say, the way they run the ball, Green Bay, weather, January, that's not going to mess with them, I don't think. You've got guys like Elijah Mitchell, Debo Samuel. I know I raved about him a good bit last week. I mean, the man, good luck trying to tackle him in the freezing cold. They're going to feed him the ball probably more than they did last week, and he might get more touches than Mitchell if it's a close game. I mean, he just runs harder than anybody his size in the league, and he single-handedly could keep them in that game. What I do like is that we didn't haven't seen anything from George Kittle. He was, he was invisible in that Cowboys game, and you just wonder – is it a matter of time before he leaves a mark on a game? And is this the game where he could do it? Where Garoppolo is going to have to short passes over the middle, uh, potentially trying to take advantage of weaknesses in the Packers defense. The stat that makes me think it could be close, and this is one of my favorite ones of the week, the 49ers are the best red zone team in the league. They scored touchdowns on 67% of the time they were in the red zone. Green Bay's bottom five defensively. So it almost makes you think if they get into the red zone, they're going to score, which could keep this within range. So plus six, it's a number I could get behind. So that's my argument. I hate to, I hate to, uh, you know, I, I liked Shanahan scheme ability last week. And I think that bore itself out early on in that game. Obviously, uh, Aaron, you talked about what, what the end of that game looked like. Um, I just something about Aaron Rodgers with Shanahan coming in after what happened in the NFC championship game a couple years ago. I, I just feel like he's going to play like a man on a mission. He still has a chip on his shoulder, even though he won the MVP last year. I know that's not the, uh, the hardcore analysis that uh, uh, is, is going to garner us any awards, but uh, to me, it's, it's, it's a personnel thing and, and they have better personnel. And I, you know, say what you will about about some of the Packers' performances at Lambeau. Uh, obviously, Baker Mayfield uh, struggled there, but clearly we saw today he pretty much had a broken shoulder. So um, that defense has the ability to turn people over. That defense uh, can certainly uh, take some risks, and I am going to be really intrigued uh, at, at watching this game. But I just, uh, you know, it's going to have to be a, a Shanahan scheme ability thing, and who knows how they'll utilize Debo again this week, but it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. And Elijah Mitchell, the emergence of him, I mean, for all intents and purposes, it looks like he's going to play, but they were uh, Trey sermon got 11 carries in the, in the first game. And uh, I think there's a really good case to be made that uh, Mitchell is somebody they're going to lean on, but I I just, I don't see them having the horses to, to play uh, in two degree weather at Lambeau against Aaron Rodgers, who's who's a man on a mission. And and for me, it's as simple as that. That'll come back for best bets later. Um, tease. Um, all right. Next game was Aaron's second pick. He likes the Rams getting three on the road 
in Tampa Bay. This game was in LA early on in the season. The Rams looked pretty good. We, we saw a decent Stafford game uh, in that one. They, they beat them in LA 34 to 24. Aaron, tell me why you like the Rams plus three in Tampa. These are, this is an interesting one because I think you could look at the two wildcard games with the Bucks and Eagles and the Rams and Cardinals and walk away saying, making a strong argument for either the Bucks or the Rams here because they both, I think, were by far, well, no, I shouldn't say by far. They were two of the three most impressive teams, I think, in the last round easily outside of the Bills. And so having said that, I just really like getting three points here. I think the Buccaneers, despite the fact they played pretty well, as I mentioned last time, I was not a believer in this Eagles team by any stretch. So I have a hard time reading too much into that, but I think that this Rams team really figured something out. I think the Cardinals certainly did not play well and they, they just flat out didn't show up. But having said that the Rams defense was fantastic. And they, they just did what they everyone expected them to do, given how much they have invested in it. Aaron Donald was a terror. Von Miller was playing like it was five, six years ago when he was a Super Bowl winner and an MVP. And if they can get that kind of production, I think that this suddenly becomes a, an extremely interesting game. The Buccaneers have a lot of problems here. Tom Brady is Tom Brady. He's the best of all time, without a doubt. But that offensive line's banged up. Tristan Wirfs has a sprained ankle. He's going to try to play. But if he's missing the best player on that line at right tackle that could be a really really big problem with Leonard Floyd and Von Miller coming off the edges and then on top of that as we've talked about last week he Brady doesn't have the same weapons he did before no AB no Chris Godwin so really he's relying on Mike Evans and Gronk and maybe Cam Brate and Scotty Miller and a bunch of just guys really once you get past Mike Evans and Gronk and that's a really big problem too because if you have Jalen Ramsey following around Mike Evans and then really all they got to do is find a way to scheme Gronk from getting too much. It just seems to me like this is the type of team that matches up very, very well defensively against the Bucs. And if they can get some big stops and if Stafford plays the way he did last week, I mean, Stafford seems like he figured something out. If he if that's the case, then I think the Rams not only cover this three, I think they could win this game pretty easily. Jim, make the case for Bucks covering three. I'm actually going to disagree with Aaron on one thing. I didn't take anything away from Tampa or the Rams last weekend. Mm. I think the Eagles and the cards were that bad. Mm. I think that game was more of, I mean, you look at the Eagles, the fumbles, the penalties, the Cardinals, the, the horrible decisions. Both of those teams look more overwhelmed by the moment than the other two teams looked impressive to me. I mean, Tom Brady found a way to get sacked four times while up 30 points the Rams didn't really have to do much. I mean, the Cardinals just really did not show up on Monday night. So it's hard for me to get a read. It's also hard for me to get a read looking all the way back to week three with this game because it was so early in the season and so much has changed since then. With that, the question for me is, is Leonard Fournette playing? Because we talked about him last week and he's practicing now. And from what I read today, it's it's a possibility he suits up on Sunday or were they Saturday? Whatever, whatever they play this weekend. Early Sunday. Sunday, Sunday yeah, because yeah. the Rams were the Monday night game. Um, if he goes, this is going to be Tommy check down, vintage Brady, the whole game. I think we saw Gio Bernard, what he does for this offense. You were completely right about Jalen Ramsey chasing Mike Evans all over the field. So it's going to be Gronk when he can, and then the running backs out of the backfield. And that is where Tom Brady lives. He has always lived there. And he always will live there for as long as he lasts in the league, probably until he's 50. I mean, more importantly, 
he's Tom Brady. You can't do it. I'm never going to be at a point. I learned last year. I've learned losing X amount of dollars in Super Bowls betting against Tom Brady uh, that I'm never going to bet against Tom Brady. It's just not going to happen. Uh, the matchups as even as I think it could be, it's probably, this should be the NFC title game. I think if we're looking through, you could argue the Packers are the ones that I get it, but everything matches up across the line. Both team top five in the league against the run, both teams, not as great against the pass, but that's mostly because they've had leads all year. And for me, the, the X factor is, is Leonard Fournette going to play and can he be effective? And if that is the case, I see the bucks at home making this happen. Well, well handicapped gents. I, uh, you know, the, the Mike Evans has shown that he's had some struggles against some elite cornerbacks. So Marshawn Lattimore for the saints typically, you know, famously has, has his number. And when you take out Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin, in my mind, that simplifies the game plan for the Rams and they tell their defensive line to, to eat. And I think that there's a world where we see the, uh, defensive line play an incredible game. We all know the old trope that Brady hates pressure coming at his face. There was some bad body language between Brady and Tyler Johnson, uh, who he's going to rely on in the slot. I just see the recipe there for the Rams to do it. That said, I am a thousand percent on board with, can we, can we, can we trust Matthew Stafford to do this? Frankly, I trust Sean McVay more than I trust Stafford. And, and I have a feeling that something could, again, I'm talking about quarter coaches scheming up wins, but I I do see a world that the Rams can generate the amount of pressure that they need. And Brady doesn't have the weapons that he's used to. And whereas the Eagles couldn't necessarily get that pressure when they had a relatively decent defensive line, I can see a world where, especially as the Bucks offensive line is down a couple of guys, or those guys are lessened that, that, that is a game that's going to be incredibly fun to watch in the trenches to say nothing of the fact Madelinsky is wearing the pit sweatshirt. Aaron Donald's just a dude that you watch on every play. And I'm just excited to see, especially if Ryan Jansen's hobbled a little bit and he's, he's got to contend with blocking Donald. We, we know that Brady can't really get outside the pocket. So just one thing that I'm going to be looking for, but I do agree with you that this will be, this will be a really, really fun game. The first one was fun to watch as well. Jim. And I will say the one guy who stood out to me in that Rams game Monday night that we hadn't mentioned yet is Cam Akers. He's writing a storybook end of the season. If they can make a run coming six months off of that injury to look like he did in that game. If he's fully healthy, like he looked, he's, he's a game breaker for them. And that, that could be a big, big factor Sunday as well. I, I think it's, it was interesting to see the Rams rely on the run and, and get a couple good chunk runs like they did against Arizona. As you mentioned, Arizona didn't quite show up for that game, but I, I definitely thought it was interesting to see kind of what, what, what the Rams offensive game plan was makes you wonder if they left a little in the tank for, for the Bucks secondary that is, is healthier and back a little bit, but uh, the way that, that the Rams offense, their receiving weapons kind of feel like they can really get going. It'll be, it'll be a good one to watch for sure. Final game, Jim Madelinsky, you had the last pick from this game. You, you could have chosen the chiefs (laughs) minus two and a half or the bills plus two and a half. Ten and a half. You went with the Chiefs minus two and a half in Arrowhead. The sake of the exercise, we'll say two and a half. I just checked that number is down to one and a half. So uh, make make the case for the for the Chiefs winning this one in Arrowhead. So we have all collectively watched a lot of football in our lifetime, mid thirties, all three of us. At this point, 
I don't early, think I've early ever. 30s. Sorry, no, joking. <laughs> the baby in the group hosting the show. Over here. <laughs> go, go ahead. <laughs> Anyways, um, I've we've watched a lot of football, and I this is the only game on Sunday against the Steelers that I can remember where a huge mistake was just what the doctor ordered. Mahomes throws that pick, and that's eh, fine. They're they're slogging their way through the whole first quarter. And as soon as TJ Watts scores that touchdown, the lights came on in Cincinnati. And it was one of the more impressive things I think I've ever seen. And say what you will about the Steelers defense. They were absolute trash this year. But everything clicked for the Chiefs. And for a team that's looking to go to their third straight Super Bowl, their fourth straight AFC title game, that may have been exactly what they needed. They got an early scare. Thankfully for them, the Steelers offense couldn't do anything. Sloppy mistake. And then Patrick Mahomes had just seen enough. And it was just, they scored 35 points in six minutes Mm -hmm. of game time. Mm -hmm. And it was one of the more impressive things I think I've ever seen because it was all earned. You know, the Steelers defense was flying through that first quarter and a half. Say what you will about the offense, but that was incredible to see. And so, when I look forward to the bills, you know, that they've got momentum. Now the chiefs do. And I just believe in Andy Reid. the bills defense is obviously a a massive upgrade from the Steelers. But one of the things I saw on Twitter during the game was when Travis Kelsey threw that touchdown pass, people were asking, why are you running that play in this spot? You're up 35 to seven. Who cares? Why would you do it? And the answer is because Andy Reid can do that because you know he has 12 different plays off that same formation and now everybody knows hey travis kelsey can throw the ball too so you gotta set up the two linebackers to play for that that's how good i think andy Reid is at designing schemes and keeping defenses off balance and that's that's the difference maker for me and then you look at Jarek mckinnon coming into that game out of nowhere, making people flash back to his one good year in Minnesota before he got that big contract from San Francisco and blew his knee out. And he gave me that vibe of there's your Damian Williams from the Super Bowl two years ago. The Damian Williams who had 130 total yards and two touchdowns in the Super Bowl, the guy that nobody saw coming. That's now going to be Tommy check down for Patrick Mahomes to use out of the backfield whenever, you know, the bills defense is able to blanket Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. They're a juggernaut, and until somebody beats them, I just have a hard time picking against them. But I do love the Bills, like I said last week. Aaron, make the case for the Bills. Well, let me just start off by saying that there was a reason why this was the last game picked between us, because it is by far the best game out there, but I can't think of watch of looking at a playoff game and going, you know, I could see about any scenario playing out here and it would not surprise me in the least. I could see either team blow out the other one. I could see this being a one point game. I have absolutely no feel for this game. So my thought is, or at least when we initially were texting about that, it's a free two and a half points. Okay. That seems like if I'm going to take a coin flip, that's, that's the way I'll, I'll lean even one and a half points, because I think this is just such a fascinating matchup. And the reason why the bills can win is the same reason why they blew out the Patriots. And it's one person because when Josh Allen plays like that, 
it doesn't matter what the Chiefs do. It doesn't matter how good Andy Reid is at scheming things up or what Travis Kelsey can do on the goal line. Because if Josh Allen is going to throw five touchdown passes and only four incompletions and play like the greatest quarterback we've ever seen and do that when it's a wind chill of minus five degrees, when everything on paper is saying there's no reason why this should work. I think you have to feel good about that if you're Dave Dave Kaplan and a Buffalo Bills fan because that's that's the formula to beat everybody. And on top of that, the Bills defense has been really, really good. When Tredavious White went down with that injury, I think a lot of us looked at it and said, oh, no, that's their best defensive player. That secondary could be in trouble. But Jordan Poyer has stepped up and, and played incredible in the back end. Their, their corners have held up well. Their front seven has held up that defense under under McDermott and Leslie Frazier has just played so, so well and continued to do so. Now, they haven't played an offense like this in a while, so it's going to be a very, very interesting test to see how they can hold up against a team, as Jim mentioned, that's capable of scoring 35 points in six minutes of gameplay. But the difference between what the Chiefs just went through with the Steelers, which I didn't take a lot from that game because as we talked about last week, the Steelers are garbage, but what, what I took away from that is okay, if the Chiefs get off to a slow start, it's not going to be 0-0 at the end of the first quarter or 7-0 at the start of the second quarter. It's going to be 21-0 Buffalo because they're not going to make those kind of mistakes. And, or I should say they're not going to allow the Chiefs to make those kind of mistakes and not make them pay for it. So that would be my best argument is that if you're going to take the points, you're going to take the bills, you're believing in Josh Allen being the superhero that he was last week. The Bills are not going to score a touchdown on every possession this week. I, I'm going to make that. I'm going to make that bold prediction once. They will. They will punt at some point. Is that a preview I, of your best bet? You know, <laughs> maybe. Um, again, caveat: hard for me to be objective. The Bills' offense obviously was amazing last week. One of the best offensive performances we've ever seen against the best head coach of all time. So replicable? No. Personnel-wise, the Bills' defense absolutely is going to need to generate pressure like they did in the first matchup that these guys had in Arrowhead Week 6. Greg Rousseau, the rookie, had a great game coming off the edge, had that great athletic interception. Um, if I, I hearken back to the AFC Championship game last year more than I do to the regular season game this year. It's just, it's, it's, we're, we're, we have to imagine that Andy Reid is going to do a little bit more offensively, figure out what the tape showed in the matchup earlier this year and, and find a way to do it. And to be honest with you, I mean, I trusted Bill Belichick. I trust Steve Spagnuolo at home to absolutely come up with ways to, to get the job done. Um, Jones will be playing. Chris Jones will be playing in this game. They did not have Chris Jones in the first game. Charvarius Ward will be playing in this game. They did not have him in the first game. So uh, just a couple of, of extra personnel that, that Kansas city has. And without Tredavious white, I, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen with Tyreek Hill, but I trust Frazier to, to come up with something as well. The, the, the bills fan in me wants to come up with reasons why they lose, but I, I, I feel better about this week than I did last week. And that's probably because of the offensive performance and feeling like the defense can really play with anybody. And I think they told themselves a lot, obviously the chiefs weren't playing incredibly well during the regular season matchup, but I just see a world where the bills, know that they can get this job done and, and, and come and do it. Is that my head speaking or my heart? The answer is yes. All right. Any other final thoughts about these games as we 
call it a day and Aaron and I recap our tough weekend last weekend, any final one big things, uh, from either of you, Jim, we'll, we'll start with you. Uh, it could be either game, uh, any of the four, any big thing that you're excited about. I'm mildly disappointed. And I hope this doesn't come to fruition that I mentioned it briefly earlier. I feel like we're getting and. I feel like I'm overlooking the Packers, which may be true, and that's fair, but that's more based off of Aaron Rodgers the last couple of years in the title games. I feel like we may be getting the NFC and AFC championship games this weekend um, between the Bills and Chiefs and between the Rams and Bucks. I just think those four teams, even all the way back to the beginning of the year, have, were, were circled as your teams to watch. And, you know, it's the NFL. Anything can happen. But I, I think those are games that if you like football – they're going to give you everything you want. Um, it's just going to be, it's going to be fun to watch those two games specifically. And those being the Sunday slate, I think makes for, for a lot of fun leading into the championship weekend. So I'm excited to watch it. Excited to get all the texts from, from David Kaplan losing his mind on Sunday <laughs> and uh, we'll see how it goes, but yeah. Contrarian under how many people are going to play the contrarian under? In the oh season? my gosh. 54 and a half. That is a number. What is going on with that number. one? <laughs> oh, I didn't know if it was big enough, but I, I am excited to see what happens uh, with that, with that over under as well. I was thinking about that too. Aaron, any final thoughts before we do best bets? I'll just say there's a reason why this is considered the best weekend in the NFL calendar, because there are four tremendous matchups. I am so excited for all of these games. And even though, as we mentioned, everyone's going to be focusing on the Sunday matchups with the Rams and Bucks and the Chiefs and Bills. I think the Saturday matchups are fantastic too. I'm real. I'm even though it may not be the prettiest game, I think Titans Bengals is going to be a lot of fun. The chess match with Niners Packers is going to be a blast between LaFleur and Shanahan. I just think there there's something for everybody this weekend and it's, it's going to be great. I'm so, so excited. This may be blasphemous to say, but I do have to say, I find myself cheering for the Bengals just as a fan. I are like you rooting for, are you rooting for the Bengals or are you rooting for Joe Burrow? Cause I Joe think those Burrow. are two different I guess things. it's more yeah. of a Joe Burrow. Yeah. It's like, it's like the Patriots fans that now cheer for Tom Brady. Um, but I, yeah, Joe Burrow to me is just, just such a character. He's what the NFL needs. He's one of those guys that just, jumps off the page when you watch him and, and, and the way just his swagger, she's just a lot of fun to watch. And I, it's easy to find myself rooting for him, which is as a Pittsburgher, not something that's probably smart to say the way he carries himself though. Just it's, it's a dude who you think could make that run this early in his career. I, I fully doesn't shy away from the moment. And uh, obviously they're, they're finding ways to get it done. He's making Stogie's cool again. <laughs> sure. And whatever those glasses were in his post-game press conference. So amazing. Jim Madalinski, be well. Thank you for John, uh, hopping on again. And uh, we'll probably talk next week. Always a pleasure, gentlemen. All right. Aaron Martin. We, we said fade. We said fade T's and TD's last weekend. And uh, boy, were we wrong. We, uh, we, we definitely, <laughs> we, we alluded to this earlier. We, we could have, uh, you know, the, the Raiders Bengals game could have gone a completely other way. It didn't. Uh, there were a lot of field goals. There were a lot of uh, other issues and uh, could have gone either way. I'm not, I'm not sulking about it at all, but we, uh, we, we had uh, one bet where we had the Raiders plus five and a half. And we also liked the over neither of those hit, obviously. 
brings us to eight and five on the year. We were seven and two last uh, going into last week. So uh, give me your two that you really like as we, as we, or we can alternate. You give me one that you really like coming into uh, uh, this weekend. Okay. So I'm going to give you my, my, I have two here. I have a basic bet and I have a parlay that I really like. So the basic, I'm going back to the over under well, which is always dangerous because I always have bad reads on this, but Bengals Titans under 47. 47 to me seemed like a bit of a big number. Again, I, I watched that Raiders Bengals game and came away thinking that as good as the Bengals offense is, I saw a lot of field goals. I saw a lot of stalling as they got closer to the red zone and having to settle. And so as soon as I see that, I think to myself, okay, that's all it takes is a couple of those touched would be touchdowns becoming field goals for this under to hit. Because as we know, Tennessee is not blowing anybody out. Uh, they, it's just not how this team is built. They generally like to run the ball, ball control, few possessions, and really keep the ball in their hands in those stud running backs or with those stud running backs, I should say as much as possible. So I think 47 is a pretty big number. I suspect this is going to be a close game, but I don't think it's going to be a 31, 28 close game. That's not the way I see this, or even a 28, 24. I think this is more like a 21, 17, 24, 20 type of game. And so I'm, I'm a big fan of that 47 and keeping below it. Love it. Really like that pick. Um, this might surprise no one, but, uh, I am going to go with the bills money line at, at plus one Oh eight. I, I love them getting points on the road. I love the momentum that they have. I know that the chiefs are, uh, found something uh, against the Steelers. However, I just, I just feel like the bills, um, maybe I watched too many Sean McDermott and, and Josh Allen clips after, after the, the game last week and, and during the week this week, but I just, I, I feel very good about the bills going in and taking care of business against Kansas city. I think they have better personnel. I think they're going to be able to uh, get to Mahomes uh, on the defensive line. I don't know how you stop the bills. I, and if the chiefs win this game credit to them, but the bills are the healthiest that they have been all year. Devin Singletary is running incredibly well. Dawson Knox has been an incredible tight end. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie didn't get a touch in the first game. Cole Beasley only had one catch for five yards in, in that game. Gabe Davis has really come on. It, it, it just feels like there are so many things that the chiefs are going to have to worry about. And I, again, if this is, if this is the, the 38 to 35 shootout and the bills lose, then, then credit to the chiefs uh, for, for, solving the the riddle that's been the bills defense all year. So, um, yeah, stupid Homer bet, but I, uh, I just feel really, really good about the bills going to arrowhead and, and making a trip to, to the AFC championship game. And a reason why I like that bet a lot is because I think out of all the teams that remain, if everybody's playing to their peak, I think the bills are the best team in the NFL right now. I'm so, so happy that both of these teams are playing so well. I mean, and, and I, I, as a bills fan, I want to win this game obviously, but I, I just, you know, this is what you wanted. The chiefs weren't playing super well early in the year. The bills lost to the Steelers week one, then rattled a bunch off and, and won this one. And uh, it, it, this is going to be awesome. It's the, the, is the reason it's the six 30 game on Sunday. Sorry. I cut you off. Go ahead. No, you're fine. Look, I'm just saying I'm terrified of this game because I think both teams are fantastic. Like I said, though, I think when the bills are playing at their peak, like we saw last week, personally, I think they're the best team in the NFL. So if you get another Josh Allen performance, maybe not quite to the level of last week's, that could be unrealistic, but if he's dominant, 
I certainly think taking plus points, even on the road, whether it's two and a half, one and a half, whatever, and taking the money line is a smart bet because anytime it's under three, if you believe the bills can make, can win this, you might as well get the better odds, get the plus odds and take the money line. I think that's the right call here. My heart's going to be so broken if they lose by one. Okay. Aaron, your second bet. (laughs) All right. So this is, uh, this is looking at a, a couple different factors, but it's a parlay for anytime a touchdown is scored in the game. So I took, Travis Kelsey at minus 125 parlayed with Mike Evans at minus 130 to each score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And that's plus 230 for that parlay. Now, I know we mentioned earlier that Mike Evans is probably going to be blanketed by Jalen Ramsey. But one thing that we've seen at the end of the season and last week is that Tom Brady is going to be looking for Mike Evans a lot. And the big reason is because he doesn't have a whole lot of other options to look for. And especially on the goal line, he finds a way to force feed Mike Evans the ball. I think. Both of these games are going to score a lot of points. I'm not a huge believer. I think the Rams have a good defense. The Bucs have a solid defense, but I think these offenses are high-powered enough that we're going to see a lot of points. And I think the chances of Travis Kelsey scoring are pretty high, as you would expect, given what we've seen. And certainly the same thing with Mike Evans. So if I can get more than 2-1 to one, plus 230 on each of those guys scoring a touchdown, I mean, to me, that that's an easy bet because I think both of those offenses are built to get them the ball. Like that one as well. I, a, my first pick was one of, of great hubris. And I, I recognize that this second pick might be one of great hubris as well. I alluded to this earlier. I just don't see a world where the Niners are competitive in this game. And I really like an alternative line of the Packers minus nine and a half up to plus one forty. I just, mm. in the same way that I, I, you know, if it's two degrees and Garoppolo can't grip the football and all of a sudden we're looking at Trey Lance, you know, playing in this game, I, I know that's such a, a hypothetical, but it doesn't seem completely out of the realm of possibility. And I just think that the Niners uh, winning a second straight road game or, or being competitive in this game after after flying back to San Francisco and then flying to Lambeau. I mean, this is what we talked about you know, when we started this podcast was maybe we're overthinking this and the Packers just are the best team in the league to Jim's point earlier. He threw out some of the, you know, statistics about some of the weaknesses in their defense, but I don't know what it is. I just, I just have a feeling that this game won't be competitive, that this will, this, this could be the, the wash of the weekend. So for, for a touchdown and a field goal at plus 140, I I'm feeling frisky with it. And, uh, and that's my second one. So, all right, Aaron, recap it one more time really quickly, uh, just to make sure we have it right. I have bills money line and I have Packers covering nine and a half. All right. I got Bengals Titans under 47 and a parlay with Travis Kelsey and Mike Evans to score each score a touchdown at plus two thirty. Aaron Martin. We'll do it again next week as we preview the AFC and the NFC championship game. I hope you're well. Take some victory laps on our bets. I hope. I, I hope so. And and all my best to Herb, uh, Aaron's dog, for just being a really good boy on the bed this oh, whole look this him. whole just, time. Just what a, back there. What a genius. <laughs> what a genius. Great podcasting. Jim's pointing to to his dog Mac as well, being being a good boy as well. Awesome. T's and TDs. Thanks you very much for tuning in. Enjoy the football. Enjoy the golf. We'll see you next week.